0: Praise the Lord. Ready to get into the Word, Amen. How is everyone this morning? Four of you are good, Amen. <clears throat> if you are visiting, we are so blessed that you're here. We know why you're here. I don't believe in accidents or coincidence, uh, but there are individuals here who are making a very public profession of their faith through baptism. So I'm going to talk about baptism for a few minutes. Now, next next week. Dr. Bucci, Dr. Joe Bucci, is going to start a powerful series, and I want us to be a part of that. So today, I just want to focus specifically on baptism for a few minutes. Now, if you need to get theologically deep on this, that's not the purpose. I just want us to understand the drama that we're going to see portrayed before us today. And I just want to approach it from a little bit of a different perspective. Um, You probably have heard this minister two from this passage, but I'm going to go to Romans chapter 6 in just a moment and we'll read. But when Paul is writing to Romans, first of all, I think it's interesting that he writes Romans from Corinth. So he's writing to the Romans after he's been with the Corinthians, and when he goes to the Corinthians, he's even saying things like, listen, starting in the first chapter, I don't come to you with incredibly elegant words. You guys have a lot of division among you. Some of you are saying that uh, Apollos baptized me or Paul baptized me or I've been baptized in Jesus. And and Paul is saying, listen, don't get confused about this. It's Jesus Christ. It's got to be about Jesus Christ. And it's in that same context that he says, I don't come to you with eloquent words. Now, let me just say this. It's not about us not giving our best. Let me say amen. Sometimes we read that passage out of Corinthians, and we think, good, man, I don't have to be good, or I don't have to be prepared. That is not what Paul is saying. Paul in Corinth is talking to individuals who want to see excellence in oratory skill that will wow you. Paul is saying, I didn't come here to wow you, but in demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit. See, it's the word of God, it's the gospel, it's good news that changes lives. Now, we need to project that good news with talent and skill, but can I tell you that um, if, if I'm really transparent, and I, I probably am overly transparent at times, but God uses me more in the silliest scenarios than he ever does on a Sunday, because he wants to prove it's not about how good or bad you may be, it's, it's about him. So sometimes it's a simple conversation in an elevator. Sometimes it's a simple conversation on a street corner. Sometimes it's a very simple, sometimes it's not even a conversation, it's an action. Why? Because it's the gospel that has power. It's the Holy Spirit working on us. Okay, John, what does this got to do with Romans? Well, he's writing the Romans because now the Romans are in a setting where The Jews and the Gentiles are still at odds because we do the same thing, by the way. We we journey in our faith, but we fall back into comfort zones. Now, listen, I'm not pushing for this, but if I say anything that you agree with, it's okay to say, okay, that's good, amen, or thumbs down, whatever. But we all have the propensity to get comfortable in our faith. to to start falling back into the areas that um, we're really not growing anymore. Or we see things from our perspective, and it's not about Jesus anymore. It's about a tradition, or about a lifestyle, or or maybe a comfort zone. And Paul is simply saying, even to the Romans, listen, I just want to break it down. And really, in in chapters 1 through 3, Paul goes into great detail reminding both Jews and Gentiles, you're all sinners. You're all messed up. We're all away from God. We're all seriously broken. We're all needing to be reconciled. And then in verses, or chapters 3 through 5, he talks about the fact that we can be justified, that we can be made right, but it can only happen through Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ. The just shall live by works. No. The just shall live by faith. Faith in what Christ has done for us. So Romans chapter 6 starts getting a little bit involved into the sanctification and what this looks like, what we're walking out as we walk out this life of faith what it looks like when we have accepted christ and we believe in jesus christ you see it's not it's not just about getting saved and going to heaven now don't don't get me wrong i want to go to heaven but getting saved is just not the free ticket out of hell make sense getting saved is just making sure i just want to make sure i go to heaven that that's certainly a part of it but How many understand when I say, God's got a plan for your life here? God's got a purpose for your life here. I know it may not make sense sometimes. I know the waves may be crashing in on a daily basis, and you're like, Lord, if if something is supposed to make sense, I'm available, please let me know. Please give me a hint. listen to what uh, Romans says. And and let me just set this up. I'm going to start at verse 1 in just a moment, but let me read chapter 5 verses 20 and 21. Now the law came into the increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also may reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our lord now i say that because he's setting them up chapter six starts like this what shall we say then are we to continue in sin that grace may abound by no means how can we who die to sin still live in it do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into christ jesus were baptized into his death We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Let me just point out a few things here very quickly. Now, this is not a loaded question, but I just want to ask it. Are we to continue in sin to just really prove the amount of God's grace in our lives? No. Now, intellectually, we we know the answer to that. No. When we think about it, we think, well, no, that doesn't sound right at all. But now, here's here's some reality. You ready? Our lives don't show it. We, We say, oh, no, we should not. So what do I mean by that? What do I mean by our lives don't show it? This isn't about being perfect. Um, This is about really understanding that we are free from sin. That God's grace has freed us from something. And and Paul is is not being sarcastic here. It's just the rhetoric. He's using a question and an answer. He's not trying to trick them. He's just trying to hold a mirror in front of their face. Now, Another question. You don't have to answer any of these, by the way. How many always look into a mirror and love what you see? I knew you weren't going to answer any. I I just told you you didn't have to, and I knew that was coming. Uh, How many, though, you look into a mirror and you don't like what you see, but you think if you change mirrors, it will change? How many, though, have looked into a mirror... And you didn't like what you saw, so you worked on some things, and things could change. That's what the Word of God is. The Word of God is a mirror that we hold up, and God shows us some things. And it's not about can you work on them, it's can you trust Him? Can you have faith in Christ and what He's doing, and then obediently follow after Him? Because listen to what he says. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ? That's a very important phrase there. That word into also means to unite. We are united in Christ through baptism. Now let me first say this. Baptism does not save you. As a matter of fact, if, if we think about baptism and marriage, and, and I'll make that, I'll make this make sense in a moment, because when we're baptized, we're baptized in Christ. We're saying that this is who we are in Christ. We're dying to ourselves, and we're being raised anew to literally become like Christ. Children of God, sons and daughters, becoming like Jesus. Imitators of God. That means there's some work that has to be taking place in my life all the time. It's called sanctification. It's a process that that I don't know about you, but God's always working on me. I have never felt, there's only about two times in my life where I've ever felt, wow, I feel like I've really overcome that. Thank you, Lord. I'm good to go now. What always happens when you feel that way? You find out you're not good to go. So I know that God's always doing a work in me, but, but here's what this does, it, it makes baptism the reality of, I want to show the world that I'm a different person, because things are not going to be the same, so baptism is just a reflection of what God is doing, it's an, it's an outplay, if you will, of what God has done in my life, and what I am committing to do as I am raised anew in Him. So when you see these individuals being baptized today in a few moments, um, they may not look wet when you see them next week, but they're still in Christ. And, and they, may not, they may not need a towel when you see them tomorrow, but they're still in Christ. They, they, we may not be in the church service and then being baptized every time you see them, but they're still in Jesus Christ. Now, how does that apply to marriage? A ring does not make you married. This is either really making sense or... A ring does not make you married. You can, make, you can wear a ring all day. <clears throat> but what a ring does is every time you see that person, uh, every time you look at it, you're reminded, I made a commitment. This, I belong to somebody. I might not be politically correct in the world that we live in, but you became one flesh. You really do belong to somebody. Nobody owns me. Well, yes, she does. She's right over there. (laughs) And she's sitting right over there. And I promise you, she owns me. Um, Why? Because we gave ourselves to each other. We committed ourselves to each other. So every time I see this, I'm reminded. I'm reminded that, you know what? I made a commitment. And I'm going to live up to it. And so what Paul is saying here, he's not saying that when you're baptized, you better start living correctly because legalism is going to kick in and you better follow all the rules. No. He's just saying that when you understand who you are in Christ Jesus, you don't wake up in the morning and and start thinking about all the stuff you can get away with. You start thinking about what the word of God is saying and how that you're going to start living differently. I know this may rub people a little bit the wrong way. There's something called universalism that's becoming rampant in our culture. It's been here for a while, actually. It falls into relativism and everybody having a little bit of a version of their own truth. Almost like we feel about sports. You You can like this football team and I'll like this football team and we'll all just get along. That's not truth. That's just football. You can't mesh that into life And say everybody has their own version of truth. And at the end of history, when we all stand before God, because we will stand before God, here's what won't work. Well, I had my version of who you were. He's got a version of who he is too. And it's his version I want to measure up to. And I say that because we live in a world sometimes that if if people can't see Christ in us, our testimony is really skewed. It's hard for us to have a testimony when we're not in Christ. It's hard for us to really be able to say, you know what? I'm going to live this out. I'm going to make a commitment. And, well, pastor, sometimes I make mistakes. I'm not saying that you're not going to make mistakes. Here's a good way of thinking about this. Am I making sense? Here's a good way about thinking about this. Uh, in, in In the past, when you were walking down the road, you attempted to step into every pothole. You went out of your way to stay in mess. You, you, even, you didn't even stay on the road sometimes. You just lived in the ditch. That's where you stayed. That's where you, that's where you lived. And you want, you, even when before you met Christ, you wondered why life was so tough. You were in the ditch. You just didn't know it. But here's what happens when you give your life to Christ. Now you're on uh, the highway. Now you're on the highway of holiness, the word of God tells us. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to avoid things. What it does mean, that there may be a, a pothole, and you might even hit it. You don't lose your salvation. You just hit a pothole. What do you do? You get up. If you're driving a car, anybody ever hit a pothole with their car at about 75 miles an hour? And get a flat tire? Did you quit? Did you pull off the side of the road and say, well, that's just it. That's, just, that's my life now potholes. No, you changed your tire and you kept driving. That's who we are in Christ Jesus. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but some of you are living in a pothole and you need to understand that you're free. You're free. You don't have to live in that pothole. Stop getting up every day. Well, I guess just what, that's what life's going to be. No, actually, instead of looking at that pothole, or to use another analogy that we sang about this morning, instead of always looking at the wave, lift your eyes up a little bit higher and you'll see Jesus. Just look a little bit higher and you'll see Jesus. Now, what has this got to do with baptism, John? Come on, stay focused. It's a mystery. What Jesus Christ is doing in us is a mystery. He doesn't save us just to get along. He doesn't save us for eternity. He saves us to become like him. And in Christ, we are united to him. Baptism shows what God is attempting to do in our lives, not for one moment, not for one day, but for eternity. He's wanting you and I to become something. I don't know where a lot of you come from this morning, but here's what I do know. We live in a culture that sometimes puts more emphasis on what you're getting than who you're becoming. That's why anytime I talk to college students, I ask them, what are you becoming? Not what what are you working on. What are you trying to get? Well, I'm trying to get my BA or I'm trying to get my master's or I'm trying to get my PhD. Listen, you don't get that stuff. You become it. You become a master of the information, so you know how to function. A BA is just a broad, a broad stroke of education with a little bit of focus in one direction. Why? Because we want you to become somebody who can focus in that direction. Am I making sense? Because um, I've talked to a lot of people who have stuff. You know, that I have this and I have that. If people stand around telling you what they have, they've not become anything. On the other hand, I love what Paul is saying also when he's talking to the Corinthians while he's writing Romans. God chooses the little things. He chooses the foolish things. You know, you want all the wisdom and you want all this grandiose and, and what God is doing in behind the scenes all the time. He's using the foolish things to turn people's lives upside down so they can see Jesus Christ in the mundane and the unusual. And Paul is saying this this idea of us being in Christ, baptized in his death, buried with him, raised with him, we're in this with him. It's a journey now with Christ. And so when we see this baptism, it's, it's not just about, oh, isn't that precious? They finally made a, a public, um, you know, we, we joked all the time years ago because women had a hard time getting baptized because literally they didn't want to get their head hurt in public. And I was like, you, we're not having private baptisms, lady. It's, it's a public confession. I've surrendered and I've died. Totally immersion." Not here to push a theological issue because Paul here is not pushing theology. Matthew Jesus says in Matthew 28, "I want you to go to all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit." He tells us, Paul does in Romans, "I, I want you to understand that you're baptized in Christ. He's not hung up on a theological issue here. He's trying to help us understand that no matter how you paint this, it's all about being in Christ, in the Trinity, in God. It's not about ideas, your feelings, emotions. It's Christ. Christ and him crucified. My question to some of us this morning is, who am I in? Who am I following? Am I following Christ? Am am I living baptized but following something else? Have I confessed Christ, but I'm following something else? I've been living for Christ for years, it seems, but but I really wake up sometimes and I feel like I'm way over here. And I've not been following him at all. This is not to judge or make anybody feel guilty. It's just a mirror. Just holding up a mirror. I wonder what I see sometimes. Uh, I'll tell you what I see a lot of times is thank you, Lord. Thank you Lord because it was the Holy Spirit tapping me on the shoulder saying um, watch your attitude here what watch how you treat people here John that you got to be careful you've been a little upset the last few days you got your feelings hurt but now you got to have a conversation anybody have to work with people out there anybody married out there right you better learn brothers and sisters right So here's, you know, Paul is saying we live this crucified life because we have surrendered to Christ. As Christians, when you accept Jesus Christ, we are buried with him. We are raised with him. And the the foundational issue is, and I can't get past this, it seems incredible to believe we are free from sin and its domain. What does that mean? That means that I have the healthy ability every morning to decide what direction I'm moving in throughout the day. And I can lean on him because I'm in him and he's in me, or I can decide to do it myself. And and what Paul is saying here is you have power. That's why the baptism is so important. Uh, We do baptism a lot. We practice the formula, but we do it a little bit differently, and and I'm hurrying because I want us to have this baptism to celebrate this. In Paul's day, and certainly even on the day of Pentecost, if you remember in Acts chapter 2 when they asked Peter, what must we do to be saved? What did he say? Very simple formula. Repent and be baptized. See, baptism in that day was sort of like the altar call. Um, If you want to receive Christ, come down and let's pray with you. And we'll plan a baptismal service so you can invite a lot of friends. You know, there are some churches that even today, they practice baptism. If you come down and get saved, they got the pool constantly ready. Well, we don't do it because we know that we don't believe that baptism is what saves you. It's a public confession of what saves you. But that's why a lot of times churches ask people to come forward. It's a public confession. And... In Paul's case, he was emphasizing that because in that culture, it was very normative for people to say, if I'm going to follow Christ, where's the water? I'm going to make that public confession right now. That showed a seriousness to it, that I'm repenting from my past, I'm laying my life down as Christ laid his down, I'm uh, symbolically being buried with him and raised with him, and I'm going to live this out differently because I'm following him. And so Paul was saying, once you make those kind of decisions, you're going to live differently. Here's what I love about the God that we serve. You can hear something like that this morning, and if you're sitting here going, wow, I've been living in guilt for years. You don't have to anymore. Or you might be sitting here this morning and saying, wow, there's stuff that I've just been habitually a part of, hoping that God forgives me living in a fear that, oh, God, please, please forgive me, please forgive me. And what God is lovingly doing is holding up a mirror and saying, yes, but th- these things need attention. Surrender them to me. Let me do a work in your life, because he who begins a good work in your life will complete it. Colossians 1.27 says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery, It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I I simply bring that up for this reason and this reason only. It's not a one-time event that God's trying to get you to give your life to him and then you go your own way and that's it. No, there's a maturing process in all of us. Sorry about the microphone. We'll get that fixed. There's a maturing process in all of us that God's wanting us to, strong statement, ready? Grow up. Become mature. All of us love toddlers, but not when they're 30. Hello? We have a daycare, and, and you know, I don't hang around there a whole lot because it's a daycare, and... <laughs> I don't, the Lord's already showed me I'm not, I'm not great with kids. I don't know why. I just don't, you know, I don't know. Um, so one thing I have found, though, is that in the two-year-old class, there are still a lot of children who still need their diapers changed, and that's fine. It's expected in a two-year-old class. Even in the three-year-old class, there are some children who are still transitioning, and they're learning, and they're maturing. But if you get to the, to the third grade, and the teacher's still having to change your diaper, There's something wrong. If you've been following Christ for, for 20 years and, and somebody's still having to change your diaper, is this a bad illustration or what? Do I need to find another illustration? I've got to work on my stories. I'm sorry. If somebody still had to clean up a mess like that, there's no maturation taking place. Now, I'm not saying that there are no accidents in our life. What I'm saying is God wants to do a work in you that is visibly seen by other people because he want he literally wants and the body of Christ needs in this culture today for the world to start saying i see something different in you there's something about you i know last year you did this 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 and this and see we're afraid to make those kind of bold changes because we know somebody's going to bring up that 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 and that we've all got those somebody say amen But here's what I want you to do when people start bringing up your past. Start just telling them about your future. That's the man I used to be. But this is the man of God I'm becoming because I am in Christ and he is in me. I'm different now. Do I make mistakes? Absolutely. But I'm not the man I used to be. So when it comes to what we're celebrating today, it's very simple. God has moved in some powerful individuals' lives. Some of them God has brought back around and taught some great lessons. Some of them for the very first time. Young Victoria is eight years old. I'm not going to name the other ages. They're not eight, I'll say it that way. But here's the point from this day forward, God's already started a work in them, but from this day forward, they're publicly saying, Oh, I've died to self. I'm, I'm publicly wanting to say, I've given my life to Christ, and here's what he's done, and I'm operating in this power now. And see, we should not be amazed at what God does with their lives from this day forward. Because sometimes, again, it's a conversation. Sometimes it's it's what we say or how we say it. But more importantly, it's just getting up every morning. I, I, I just need somebody to hear this this morning because I know as we're walking through a lot of the stuff the church is walking through right now, and not just the church, the world, mental health issues are just off the charts. People are looking for hope everywhere. And see, guys like me, I don't expect them to come into a church and listen to a preacher. I'm speaking to the body this morning. I'm speaking to Christians this morning. But guess where you're going tomorrow? You're going back to work. You're going back to other settings which may be Christian or may not be Christian. And and they're going to see something. They're going to see Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it's not because you're having to follow all the rules correctly. It's because you've simply said, Lord, here I am. I I follow you, Lord Jesus. If I hit that pothole, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I I also want to just throw this in, and and I'm going to dismiss those who are being baptized to go get ready. Um, I want to challenge you, if you've not locked into a local church, get involved in a local church. Why? Because we need family. There are no long rangers in the kingdom of God. There are no individuals who can do it all by themselves in the kingdom. We need each other. And I know we got a lot of men's men, men. I get that, you know, powerful men. I get that. Um, please, I love that. All right, don't. If you're men, be men. Okay. I just need to clarify that. I don't know why. <laughs> But sometimes men don't feel like they can show emotion, gentleness, kindness. You know what the world needs to see right now are men. Now, ladies, we love you, but this world needs to see men stand up and be men of God. Stand up and, and even though they make mistakes, admit it. And just say, you know what? Because here's why. We need to be raising up another generation right behind us. There needs to be another generation right behind us, right behind them, because there needs to be a, several generations coming up who women know their women and men know their men, and we all know our God, and we're following Him. Not going off on a political kick here, just really want you to understand God's got a plan for your life. He wants to use you. Those who are being baptized, Patricia and Jeremy, if you'll please come. If those who are being baptized, If you'll be dismissed, and go ahead, we've already discussed that, but go ahead, be dismissed, and prepare for baptism. Um, I've asked Jeremy and Patricia to come. They're going to lead us in this song again, and, and I just want you to just worship. I'm going to pray before I go, and I want to pray with you, because it could be that you have never received Christ, or that being in the pothole or the ditch has just always... Uh, been the norm it doesn't have to be as paul tells the romans in a very loving way we're all busted we're all sinners in need of a savior we're all broken all of us are sinners there are none righteous no not one but also he tells us that that by grace we can be saved by simply believing So I want us to pray. Can we do that? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that that each individual here right now would take serious that decision. It's not about trying to be perfect today, and, and we promise we'll try to follow all the rules. It's do we trust you? Do we trust you, Father? Do we trust what you have done, Jesus? And so, Lord, we just surrender our lives to you. It's the power of that good news that Jesus saves. It's the power of the good news that God loved us so much that when the wind and the waves of life continually beat down, we can still look up and see a Savior. So, Father, I pray that to every restless heart, to every individual here that is questioning or wrestling, God, I pray that in the name of Jesus, you would touch them. Lord, we ask you to come into our lives. Lord, this mystery that for some of us it's hard to get our head around it, it doesn't add up. It doesn't really make sense. Lord, I I pray that we understand that faith is simply saying, Lord, if you're real, here I am. Prove yourself to me. I will follow you. Lord, whether it's the first step, a rededication, whatever it may be, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit continue to move in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts on our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at GraceRiverVA.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.